Hello, everyone. Welcome, and thank you for listening to the Equity Meets podcast series by Equity Labs at the University of Denver. My name is Ashley Hill, and I'm the Assistant Director of Equity Labs. Our show is committed to interrogating contemporary issues in diversity, equity, and inclusion across disciplines, industries, and contexts by leaning on the expertise of interdisciplinary thought leaders and elevating the voices of those who live in the margins. Today, we are evaluating the world of internships and the people who work in them. Our discussion will consider the current internship process and intentions, and if it's equitably serving those who work in them. To better understand this topic, we've invited a student with a background in two different internships and several years of experience in higher ed and a professional who's worked with students in human resources and business development for years. Our goal at the end of each episode is that you as a listener will walk away with a better understanding of contemporary issues, some skills and strategies that aid you in your equity and justice journey, and a sense of belonging in a community of people who are in this together. All right. Well, we would like to start by welcoming our guests today. Thank you both for being here. Our first guest is Sudeshna Majumdar Fragmeni. She is a relationship management leader with a robust background in talent acquisition strategy, human resources, relationship management, business development, business transformation, and higher education. With 14 years of experience in career development, STEM initiatives, talent development, and DEI startups at mid-sized high-growth organizations, she prides herself on empowering people and companies to tell their unique story while fixing bottlenecks to ensure high-growth organizations build intentionally and strategically. Additionally, Sudeshna has also built large-scale workshops and events, trainings for students, professionals, and community members, specifically around DEI topics, talent acquisition initiatives, and high-impact business growth and strategy in educational and professional environments. Welcome, Sudeshna. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. And our next guest is one of our own, Jessica Manzanillo. Jessica is a student at the University of Denver's Graduate School of Social Work program. Uh, She focuses on macro level or systemic social work and diversity, equity, and inclusion. She's been in higher ed in a variety of positions and educational environments for six years now. Equity Labs is her second internship during that time. Welcome, Jess. Thank you for being here. Happy to be here. Thanks. Wonderful. Well, I'm excited to have a chat about internships today. This is something that um, I've both been a part of as an intern and also been a part of managing and developing internship programs. And I think the three of us bring uh, a pretty awesome variety of experience and lenses to this. So our big picture theme is what's the intention of internships and unpacking this question of are internships inherently beneficial or exploitative? I know that I've thought about this. (laughs) A lot, both as an intern and as an internship manager. So let's start with, and we'll go with everybody. So whoever wants to answer first, um, how did you learn about internships? And, you know, what do you perceive the goals of internships to be for both individuals and organizations? Jess, do you maybe want to start us out? Yeah. So for me, I learned about internships. I feel like at a very young age, it was one of those things that like you see on TV and and you're like, whoa, like that's so professional. That's so cool. That's like how you know you're getting ahead in your career. Um, 
And I wasn't like presented with opportunities for internships until I was more so like in my junior, senior year of my undergrad and then like going to grad school. school. Um, And I don't know. I think about this question a lot, too. I think it's hard to say either or if it's exploitative or not. Um, But I definitely do think that the, the traditional practices that come with internships are inherently exploitative. Um, I do think that like getting, you you do benefit from participating in this system. And I think everyone does, the, the company, the individual. Um, it's a, a gain for all of us, but it's also at the cost of someone's free labor, which is inherently exploitative. Um, uh, or a lot, at least a lot of the time, especially with unpaid internships. So, yeah, that's kind of, that's my take on it. Um, yeah, I'm interested to hear what Sudeshna has to say about it, too. Yeah, so thank you. So I, I love this topic because there's so much to unpack here. Um, but one of the things is I've worked both, you know, on the higher education side, specifically in career services, encouraging internships. At the same time, I've worked with companies and not only their DEI goals, right, but really kind of the bottom line of filling their, you know, pipeline, um, early filling their pipeline and frankly, in a cheaper way, right? Um, and so I've, I've worked on both sides in terms of just priorities, right? Priorities of the institution, um, of higher education and uh, the way people do placements. So placement numbers uh, being a huge thing in terms of ranking a college. Uh, the rankings of a college is making sure students get opportunities and jobs. Um, and hands down, students who have internships, the conversion rate for placement is quite a bit higher. Like it's it's a very obvious it's very obvious that internships in direct correlation with getting your first job, right? And getting those opportunities. And most of the time getting those opportunities even before graduation. So you actually have placement numbers before graduation. Um, and then for organizations, uh they either, uh, I mean, I feel like recently it's been more of a conversation of the DEI pieces and how to, in their mind, what they're doing is actually good, right? Which is really encouraging <laughs> students of color, right? And creating, uh, creating opportunities. In their mind, they're creating opportunities to build pipeline and a more diverse workforce. And then they're doing so at an earlier age. So they're also creating opportunities for students, right? And young mm-hmm. people. Um, do companies do so in the wrong ways? Um, does internships need to be reimagined? Absolutely. <laughs> they have to be reimagined. Um, no matter how you cut it, uh, the way things have been done isn't how they work now, um, not just because we're in a more virtual remote environment, but there are a lot of ways to break up internships to make them more accessible to more people in more spaces um, and to afford people the opportunity to even learn about what the benefit innate value of an internship is. Um, places like the UK, which I've also studied, uh, actually have apprenticeships built into their education model, meaning all students have access because you literally cannot do a class until you can process and reflect on what you're doing in the field. Um, that model to me is 
what the U.S. should be moving to. There should not be a disconnect between what you're learning in the classroom and what's happening in the field. Um, and so I feel that when it comes to internships, I wasn't aware of internships because I was a first generation student mm-hmm. and I had no idea. Like for, I had a work study job to pay for school. And so in my mind, I had to work and sign over my paycheck towards my tuition. That was the deal. Um, That was the only way I could go to my school. Um, And so what time did I have other than getting involved as a student and other than doing my work study job? I didn't even know internships were for me. It seemed like internships were for like the fancy people whose like dad got them into a company. Um, And my parents weren't going to be able to do that. They, my mom was a daycare teacher and my dad was stay at home dad. And so I did not have those connections. Um, I also didn't realize the resources because I was a first generation college student. So it's not that the resources probably weren't in my face, but when someone says career center, it feels like, the career center is what you go to like five minutes before you're about to graduate because that's like when you need help finding a career. Innately, it's yeah. called the career center. So you go there then, right? And I didn't realize, meanwhile, all these people knew how to navigate college, right? And so, mm-hmm. and that is a lack of privilege. That's a lack of social capital. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's also a lack of no one finding me literally no one finding me, but also it's a lack of, I had to work. Right. And the reality is, is that no one finds you when you're like pushing papers at school because you need to work to pay for your tuition. I was super, super lucky that basically in my second year of college, I, one of my work study jobs was at this like underground nightclub on campus. And they were trying to do these like late night program series to get people not to drink on campus. It was like so <laughs> dumb. And so their thought was, we'll make it late night. So it's like 1030 to 12. So what did people do? They went and drank after, right? But in the beginning from 10 to about 12, um, we had like different singer songwriters, like spoken word, hip hop. And what did we not have? It was awesome. And we had it every Thursday night and Friday night. So two days a week. And I was in charge. That was my work study job in charge of running the underground nightclub on campus and planning all the events. It was such an awesome experience. But when we were there, we had someone come in from like an organization and in the music industry and like a producer and teach us how to do the lighting and sound um, in that facility. And the guy took me under his like wing, like he saw something in me and was like, hey, I have an event. It's called the Jazz at Drew Festivals at Charles Drew Medical University, which is an all black medical college in Watts. Do Mm -hmm. you want to try it out? And so I went with him, tried it out. And it was like life changing to me. And turns out he gave me opportunities. Those opportunities are internships. No one helped me connect the dots. I had no idea. I thought I was just doing some like cool stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And then he started talking about like, we should probably do a contract because I should probably pay you. And I was like, can you get paid? What? I can get paid for this? I had no idea. I thought I like made out. Like I went and got myself like a job and I could get paid for it. So what I will say is that the three kind of areas are accessibility. Who has access? Do you actually know about it? who gets to you and how do they get to you, right? But also your parents' education make a difference. Your belief in yourself 
So that's another piece intrinsically no one ever talks about is imposter syndrome, right? Mm. Do you believe you can do the thing that you're that you're watching other people do? Or does it seem so far away? And so are you reading the bullet points in an internship and going, oh my God, that I do not know how to do that. Right. And time and time again, uh, NACE, which is the National Association of Colleges and Employers, right? It's our career service national association, have done studies. And time and time again, students of color, first generation students, and women innately have imposter syndrome when they read job descriptions. They have imposter syndrome when seeking opportunities, when asking for opportunities, or even trying to find out if that opportunity is for them. So innately at its core, internships have implicit bias Mm -hmm. and explicit bias. As somebody who's worked within the companies, explicit bias as well, right? Because when we are seeking students of color for internships, we are specifically saying, I need to increase my diversity and my organization, right? And that's faces. No other, it's just, it's faces, right? Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, I'm going to pipeline a program, an early pipeline, so that I can say I'm doing it, one, to meet the diversity goals of the organization. B, I'm going to do it on the cheap because I don't have to pay interns as much. Awesome, cool, free work. And uh, I'm also going to then say we were converted this many interns from our DEI program. And that's going to be a checkbox. Do I offer support once they get there? Right. And do I offer mentorship once they get there? Did I mentor them through the program or did I leave them on their own? Right. Did I have expectations for interns like in that DEI program? that that didn't take into account implicit bias that exists and the mentorship that's needed, right? And the support mm-hmm. that's needed. Did I ask them about the culture or did it not matter? Did I just ask them to fit into the, my culture, right? And so uh, both implicit and explicit bias mm-hmm. is built into that, I feel, into that model, no matter how you cut it, whether you are career services, whether you are students or whether you are companies. Yeah, absolutely. and I. I appreciate you both sharing your your individual experiences and perceptions of internships. And I can share that I was definitely like middle class, white girl, like internships were just like fed to me from the time I knew what a job was. And it was very much an expectation both from my family and throughout my K-12 and into college that internships were the way to bridge whether or not that actually occurred <laughs> is questionable, but that internships were a way to bridge your education to a potential job. And I had the perception that internships were non-negotiable from the time I was really probably in high school. And I knew that most internships at that time were unpaid. And it took me a long time into my adulthood, probably longer than I would really care to admit, but uh, to realize that the reason that I was like aware of it and understood it and was able to take unpaid internships was entirely because of like, I was white. I was from a middle-class family. Both of my parents were college educated. Um, So that language and that possibility was really available to me. So when you talk about accessibility, I really hear that from the end of like, yep, like that, it wasn't even a question. And 
when I transitioned to working at a nonprofit and and being responsible for hiring and reviewing applications and and supervising and mentoring the intern team, that was when it really started to unfold for me. Still not necessarily from the same DEI lens that I have now, but from the equitable distribution of of financial resources for interns. Because um, I worked in Florida. I was in the Keys and we required interns to relocate. They came and they lived in Key Largo for at least three months. And they were responsible for the majority of their expenses. Like, you know, there wasn't even really a stipend until maybe a year or so after I started working on the program. And that was entirely motivated by students who came to work with us because they were like, this is ridiculous. Like, we're moving, we're living here, and we're working for you for free. Like, we need some kind of compensation to help us pay for rent and help us pay for groceries and gas. And it took a while to like drag the organization in that direction and say, financially compensating them is what they deserve. Like, yes, they're learning. Yes, they're here to help us. Yes, they're here to develop a skill for a career that they're looking for. But at what cost, right? Like, at what cost to them emotionally, physically, financially? You know, what are we sort of perpetuating and instilling or maintaining this like bootstrapping sort of meritocracy approach to the idea of work? Um, and so, you know, later on, as I worked on other programs, did different, you know, other kinds of hiring and came into equity labs that it was important to me that even though we can't pay the interns as much as we want to pay, it was important to us that it is at least a stipend internship at equity labs because it just wouldn't feel ethical to do that. Yeah. So I, you know, I, the sort of individual and organizational piece of my perception of internships is very rooted in my social context and the container in which I exist as a human being. So um, I appreciate what you all have shared. Jess, did you have anything else you wanted to add before we cruise on to the next question? Yeah, just really quickly, I, re- I appreciate the tie into especially like first gen students, um, BIPOC specifically, because I think it changes the topic of like, exploitation like who are we exploiting really um I was watching the show and it was like a comedy show and they talked about unpaid internships for like a brief moment and one of them was like well unpaid internships have been launching rich white kids into high level positions for decades and I don't know what about that was so simple I was like that's so true they have the resources they have the support to be able to do unpaid internships and not reach like mass levels of burnout, not have to um, worry about just living in general and also getting the experience, getting the knowledge that you seek, um, all of these things. So I think about it in terms of like what you were saying, Sudeshna, about um, companies and organizations really wanting people of color and like all of these uh, like diverse backgrounds and then not being able to support them throughout it. It's a different sort of exploitation. It's it's um, kind of eerily rooted in, in, so rooted in white supremacy and racism. And um, yeah, I, I appreciate that, that point of view. Thanks, Jess. The other thing I was going to just, one more thing I was going to add Please. is that, as uh, fun fact, so, you know, the Spotify like year in review and the Spotify rap, uh, that was done by an African-American intern at Spotify and she didn't even know. She pitched the idea and thought it would be awesome and then left to go back to school. 
And as you see, um, that exploded. Um, and everyone now, like on LinkedIn, the campaign is literally to tag her and say thank you. Um, cause mm-hmm. I hope she got paid for it. Cause literally everyone's talking about it and everyone's sharing it. And that was an intern idea that she pitched at the end of summer to her team that yes, there was a team of developers who then created it, but created it off of her idea. And I'm not saying she didn't get paid at Spotify. She actually was a paid intern. Spotify does pay their interns. But the point is, is that this is literally a, part, a direct part of their product. It's intellectual mm-hmm. property, right? But because you sign over, so that's the other piece, you sign over all your intellectual property when you're an intern as well. So I also have a problem with Yes, awesome. Create an intern program that's not coffee, but signing over your intellectual property and never seeing it again while someone takes your ideas is also innately not okay. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's not okay. Be, and the gain of the company is financial, right? And promotion and marketing. And the gain for you is that you had an internship and you should be so grateful. I'm glad you brought that up. I had heard that as well. I didn't know the full st- the full context of that story. So I'm glad you brought it up. And I think that's one, lo- one last thing I'd want to say before we move on to our next question is the idea of who, like whose idea belongs to who and like who gets paid for their intellectual property. And, and that very like, it is very, you know, white supremacist colonist sort of mind of like, I own this space I own you you know so that means that everything you create is mine and it's not my responsibility to give you credit um and that's something that I know that we try to do at equity labs and that like when one of our grad interns or the marketing intern has an idea that's theirs just trying to be conscious that we're giving credit to those folks um to ensure that sort of um like shared accountability and shared responsibility and shared like it's not just us who come to this space with good ideas and expertise. We truly believe and see folks as intellectual equals and folks who can equally contribute to the conversation and to the work, regardless of their amount of experience or type of education. So yeah, I, I hear that and I appreciate that that perspective too. So we've talked about this a little bit um, and we can, we can kind of expand on it um, if it makes sense for folks to do that. So Maybe in the context of both your career goals as individuals and organizations that you've worked for, um, did you feel like you had to take an internship at any point? Um, I know Sudeshna, you had a different sort of perception intro into that idea of internships, but did either of you ever feel like you had to do that? Um, or have you worked someplace where they were like, we can't function if we don't have interns? I'd love to hear hear your ideas. Sudeshna, do you want to start us off on this one? Um, so I worked at a company called RSM, and uh, it's a basically the fifth largest. It's like think about the like the Deloitte's and the BDOs of the world. It's the fifth largest like accounting firm in the country, and they have a pipeline program um, that is focused on getting a large group together, and they do a really fun like a three day long stay in a hotel like all day event in which they like learn everything about the company they do like case studies culture stuff but the idea is that there's a conversion rate of like 65 to 80 percent 
of the people. And so trying to get people into that program and actually coordinating that event, it's a pretty large event. We bring everyone to like, in that case, in my case, I brought them, we brought them all to Minneapolis, like downtown, did some like fun stuff with them. But in, in doing all of that, I, I realized like this company actually, like most of their hiring for entry level is done through this internship program. And technically there's nothing wrong with that. I, I really think that this company actually did try to do a really good job of going to larger organizations that focus in these spaces, like whether it was like um, the African-American Engineering Association at all the colleges and really tried to do a lot of work that wasn't centered around, look, it's that time of month again, right? <laughs> we do a lot of companies do a lot of that where it's like, for MLK, let me just go crazy on social media and do this special program and give out a scholarship. I felt like this company was super intentional about the conferences they attended, the conferences they contributed to, how they contributed, and really keeping that relationship for like for like the entire course of a student's like college career um, and making the offer early um, and being open to negotiation for that offer, for that individual situation and having an internal mentor and some of those other pieces that you kind of need for the program. But I will say, yes, there are plenty of companies, including all the big four, the BDOs, the Deloitte's, all the ones that people want to work for, right, that are well paid in terms of entry level and that are great career starters that need interns to function. Um, And I think at its core, from an employability standpoint, there's just a lot of um, value in doing an internship in the first place. The issue I have, and I think Jessica's saying the same thing, it's, it's all the barriers that exist to even knowing that's a possibility for you. And then all the ways in which a company approaches it that could be reimagined, that must be reimagined, right? And and part of it is that not everyone has a summer to do nothing, right? Like not everyone has a summer to do nothing. They're working, taking care of family, caretaking, dude. So can we reimagine thinking about this for a long time? Because if I had a problem to solve in the world and I was an entrepreneur and I had unlimited funds, I would reimagine internships the way that like micro- internships have reimagined it, which is, does it need to be in the summer? Can it be part-time? Can it be project-based? Can it be, because now you're creating opportunities for multiple people to have internships in multiple ways and multiple connections between companies and students that could exist remotely or in person you're getting eliminating the need for the housing stipend and to like, change your life because not everyone has the opportunity to do nothing for a semester or um, all of that. And so you're, then my question to something, something like a micro internship is how are you seeking out students to tell them about the opportunity? Who are you seeking out? Right. Who knows about it? Right. And how do they know about it? And, and what are you doing? Right. Once a student is in, if, that week they have to take care of their grandparents or they have to pick up their little sister. Is is there barriers like that or is it like completely project-based in which at the end of the week you have to turn in like homework 
X amount of projects? And, mm-hmm. and do, you, do they still have the same company connection? Um, is it seen the same way in the work world, right? There's a lot of perception in internships and perception is is what is professional so this is actually part of a larger conversation i know like all of you have probably thought through this is like what is considered professional um in in work culture what is considered hustling what is considered good what is considered bad what is considered like uh what a young person so ageism plays a huge role how should a young person act versus how we've seen ceos act right um how should a man act versus a woman right and and so there are so many factors that are systemic that play a role in the work world and how we like function in the work world what we value in terms of what makes someone important, their rank, their caste, their parents' education, the name of the school they went to. There's 110 factors. When in actuality, when you break down people's story, right, and you get to know an individual, there are also 110 reasons why somebody could have gone to a community college, right, uh, to take care of their families or could have went to a community college because frankly, it was cheaper and that was smart. I wish I did that. Um, That would have been, I I should have done that. Um, And so I always say like, if we're going to listen to, and we're not going to question the story of the work world and corporate and professionalism, and we're not going to break then, then like we, if if we're going to like host that up on LinkedIn and say, look at this person has this fancy title and they've made it right, and we're not going to put into that mix a person's individual story and their individual situation, then that's like a problem because if perception is everything, then you are telling me how I how I should function to be perceived. And that is a colonizer <laughs> type of environment and mentality, right? Which is everyone flows in this direction, in this way, at this time, in this, like, in this manner, right? And so I always have a huge problem with that in the first place. So I say all that to say, you know, yes, it's, we're talking about internships, this one piece right now. But if you actually, you know, kind of, think about the entire kind of systemic circle. It's, it's the work world, it's professionalism, it's college. It's even the way who gets to go to college. How do they get to go to college? Do the internship program only work with top colleges? Do they work with STEM colleges? Do they work with the, when they come up with their school list for recruitment, is that done in a way that is actually thinking about access to students and who has access or is it done with Yale, Harvard, Stanford? My point is, is that it's like what internal corporate mm-hmm. world thinks of schools and their name and their ranking is also a problem. And that's almost like the start to the problem is access to higher education once you're in. Mm-hmm. It's how I higher education does the work they do right? in it's core because it's a business, no matter what anyone says, no matter how much we think we're changing the world, working in higher education, it is a business. And that business is 
perceived a certain way in the community. So they are working with the community. They're working with board members. They are actually infusing, like by, by, by saying this student, their first job, they earned 110 and they work at Google. They are promoting their college because that's what matters in the rankings. That's what matters in the business world, right? And that's what matters to the outside. And so trust me, it's a sim- symbiotic relationship between corporate politics, right? And and higher education. And it doesn't rid itself of any of those things. Um, so there's a reason I say there's a lot to unpack in this topic is that it's internships is like a little like a tiny piece it's an important piece but in in a larger picture of what does pedigree right I, I think the conversation is pedigree right and rank and uh you know privilege uh and 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 the systemic it, it is very it's all very systemic and it is to boost certain people up and leave certain people out. And, and, and that is ultimately at its core, like also something an internship unknowingly does with the mask and the paint of we're creating opportunities for young people, brilliant young people. Anyone can get, that's not true. We we all know that not everyone, right. Can, Mm -hmm. can access it. For me, in, in terms of if at least my career goals and whether I felt like I needed to, I, I quite literally did need to. <laughs> my program required us to get internships. So it wasn't necessarily my choice at all. And if I did have say in it, um, I probably wouldn't have done it, um, at least not in my first year, like last year. Um, I am also a first-gen student. I come from a low-income family. I need to work. I, that's not an option for me. I've worked all through school, not working. It it just wasn't, it, it wasn't a thing. So when I found out that I needed to do internships for this program, it made me question even going into grad school in general, because I'm like, how, how can I afford this? This is, this is wild. None of these internships are paid. And the ones that are like a $200 stipend, (laughs) like this is wild. Um, so it was, it, it was it was hard, but it wasn't necessarily a choice that I got to make, which is also a to- like I think that's a topic that we can explore on its own. You know, um, higher ed and these programs requiring you to do something that they know is going to exploit you, um, <clears throat> especially with the identities that I hold. Um, but nonetheless, you know, we do it. We're here, <laughs> um, and. Being here now, at least in Equity Labs, I'll speak for Equity Labs. I find myself glad that I, I have this opportunity to be here in this internship. I find myself very, very thankful that Equity Labs can offer like a decent stipend. Um, it, it's it's just it's one of those things that going into grad school I didn't imagine for myself. A lot of people don't get this experience in in their placements in our program, so I feel very thankful. Um, and also, I think back to my internship last year, which was at a nonprofit counseling center, and they—I don't want to say needed interns, but they depended on them a lot, and it was because of lack of funding, which. Also brings me to this 
niche topic of like social work and internships because how are we going to require internships for nonprofits and and um just like working for your community and um also not pay them and also depend on them because these these organizations don't have funding so it's just like this it it's hard to wrap your head around it feels like you're just being taken on a ride a lot of the time but that internship last year yeah i would say it depended on interns um they couldn't offer a lot of the services that they offer to the community if it wasn't for their unpaid interns um who were putting in so much work reaching mass levels of burnout like it was rough. Um, and what does that mean for the community that we're serving? What does that mean for the interns that we're hiring, the therapists that were there, the organization as a whole? What did it stand for? Um, and every time they were confronted with these ba- like these barriers and these battles, it was, we don't have money. We don't have funding. We, don't, we can't offer you these things. Um, and Coming from like a social work perspective, it's frustrating. Like, what do you do in that scenario? Like, even if these companies and organizations wanted to pay me, they quite literally can't. They do not have the funding and I still want to help my community. So it's just, it's, it's a, it's a game. I feel like, um, I like to think of it as mutual aid, although I don't know how mutual it is, (laughs) but, um, yeah, especially in social work, I think that, um, Taking internships is just, it's one of those things that you have to do. It's almost like volunteer work, um, but its it doesn't change the conversation of exploitation. It doesn't change the conversation of who's benefiting, who's it impacting, um, all of these like nuance, nuances in the conversation. Yeah. Thank you, Jess. That's helpful to hear the way that you, that the internships have been so um, integrated into the program and that it's a requirement um, and how that has kind of influenced the way that you perceive the internships and your experience in them. Um, It's, you know, I think we're going to start talking about uh, pay in our next question, but um, one of the other things I just wanted to weave in is at least you know, talking about the sort of niche of social work and internships, I can speak on the sort of niche of science internships that it's similar, right? In order to get what we would maybe classify as a good job or a good, you know, grad school entry, you've got to have research experience or field experience. And if you don't get that in your undergrad, you've got to get it in an internship. And I know for, for me and for other students who were involved in my field, which was marine science, like, that gear is expensive and it's expensive to get certified and whatever it is you need to be certified in. And if you've got to be a scientific diver, that's another kind of certification. And if your university doesn't offer it, where are you going to get it? How are you going to pay for it? And so I think there's also these sort of complementary skills or additional accessories, if you will, <laughs> that you are required to have. Like someone might call it an industry standard, not realizing um the cost, the time, you know, if you're like, if you're working in school, when are you going to go get certified as a scientific diver? If it's not part of a class you're taking, right? Like it's a niche, but I do think that it's still relevant that there's an expectation that, you know, folks who come into or even off of an internship will leave with this certain specific set of skills. And that is not always the case. And the awareness, you know, as part of an ecosystem, have you, as you both have spoken to, um, 
is that you're you're totally spot on. Internships is just like one very small portion of this constellation that we've created for ourselves. And I would argue that it's, you know, even like taking it a little further back, right? We talked about how like access in higher ed and um, who is a part of higher ed communities and how did they get there? And even within education initially, right? Like our education systems are set up as conformist systems. They're not setting students up to be unique individual thinkers or setting folks up to be prepared to enter a capitalistic system and to continue to support <laughs> support free market capitalism, right? Like at the end of the day, that's the goal of K-12 as well as higher ed. And that's how I've perceived it for quite some time now. So um, yeah, let's, so let's cruise into the next question, which is about pay. So um, speaking of credit, our intern team developed these questions questions for us today. So thanks to Emma, Maria, and Jess for working on this. Um, so they, they found an article called Exploitation or Experience Students Discuss Internship Pay Debate. And the quote they pulled is, despite their controversy, unpaid internships are fully legal. The Fair Labor Standards Act requires courts to use the primary beneficiary test, which measures if an intern is considered an employee based on who's the primary beneficiary of the job. If the employee is the primary beneficiary, meaning the company itself doesn't receive as much value as the worker does, then pay is not required. And I had come across this before um, when I was managing internship programs as well. And so when we, or if we were to reimagine or um, think about internships as being of equal benefit to the employer and the intern, obviously we would need to see a change in this policy. Um, but as it stands, you know, this isn't a requirement and employers are not required to pay interns. Um, so how do you all think this would change the nature of internships if pay was required? Um, and do you think it would maybe eliminate or limit the amount of burnout that folks are seeing? And even one step further, how would that change the work worlds? How would that change employability or sort of that next step after participating in an internship program? I think this is a really big question. <laughs> and I think it's one that can send us into this like capitalistic spiral hole if we, if we think about it too hard. Um, so I probably, I won't think about it too hard, <laughs> but you can think about it as hard as you want to. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ashley. Um, in, in my opinion, and this is just like my professional opinion in general, I think that any sort of labor should be paid. And um, I think of it as just a job in general, things that you can add to your resume, things that you know are going to be um, just experience that's going to further you into your career. You're going to get paid for those jobs. You're working full time for them. You're working part time for them. You're going to get paid for those positions. But the language changes when we're talking about internships and whether they should be paid or not. It's still labor. Um, so I'm not really sure why well i am sure we just discussed in depth why that is why internships are treated the way they are but to me it's labor nonetheless labor should be paid period um how that would change the dynamic between organizations and companies with internships i think i think it would change it for the better mostly um i think it would come with a lot of like finagling, trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. But I think more than anything, it would add 
um, intentionality to internships. I think a lot of the time we hear about internships being like, go get me coffee. Internships, I've heard horror stories about internships being like breaking down boxes for four hours. Um, So I think it would add a certain component of like, hey, you're getting paid for this now. Like you're on our dime. So we're going to make sure that we are getting the most that we can out of you and you're getting the most that you can out of us. So here are some like legit responsibilities that we need from you. So I think it would make um, internships just more intentional and some more responsibility based. Yeah. That's what I think. Um, I, I think again, it could turn into like this, this kind of like rabbit hole of whether or not companies even value interns, whether that means like placements go down, whether like the opportunities go down. We talked about access a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. But again, not going to think about it in that way. (laughs) In a very surface level, hey, everything works out. I want to believe that it would benefit both the organization and the individual. Yeah, I think think you're right. And I just want to offer before Sudeshna, if that's okay, that I've heard you, like I've heard you talk about this before, Jess, of like what that sort of relationship between employer and employee is and how how destructive that can be when it's wielded in a in a way that's um that's exploitative to use that word that we've been that we've been using to talk about internships um and i i'd love sudeshna for to hear your response and i'd also love to hear what you think that that sort of restructuring of a business model would look like for companies because i think that that's a little bit of what jess is leaning into is like it would require a complete upheaval and and reestablishment of what what it even means to be an intern and like would that rhetoric even still be correct or would it would it be you know is it short term entry level employment like you know we don't we just evaporate the the language of internships overall you know i'm i'm really curious to think about what that would look like and like what that kind of business restructuring would require in order to to have a more equitable entry point for folks to go into jobs. Because the other piece that I feel like we haven't touched on yet is this nasty little cycle of like, well, you need five years of experience to get this job. But how the heck am I going to get these five years of experience if I don't get a job, right? And that's this sort of like nasty perpetual thing that 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 I still run into. I'm in my mid-30s and it's still like, oh, you should have nine years of experience. And I'm like, well, okay, this is how I'm going to frame my nine years of experience. Like... <laughs> Because we have it, right? That's the thing is like, Jess has six years of experience in higher ed as a student, as a learner, as a participant, like that experience and time counts, you know, it's, but it might be different for a different student who needs different number of years of experience for something. So. Yeah, I um, absolutely agree with Jess that internships, any sort of work should be paid unless it is a project-based classroom opportunity. And, and, that, and in that case, you're in class doing real-world work, helping the company solve a problem, presenting that problem in a classroom setting, right? Um, but obviously, then it goes into that intellectual property conversation, right? But if we had to restructure, I believe in micro-internships. I believe in project-based work that is hand in hand with academics. So it would require faculty members 
that are tenured, right? <laughs> uh, to start thinking about their act, their job of not just educating on a subject that they have been deemed experts in, but that subject being a real world problem and a real world company, right? Working together. So companies, corporate companies and classrooms work hand in hand to raise the next generation of leaders which is a great tagline for many colleges. Um, but there is a disconnect between employability and the classroom and academic work. Um, I know that there is nothing that I did in my higher ed program that could have prepared me for higher ed on the ground floor other than doing it, right? Other than doing it. And no one told us what to do right? In a higher ed program, we talked about all these theoretical frameworks and our pedagogy and all these things, right? Without ever saying, what do you do if a student like commits suicide in your building as a resident instructor? What? There was no training for that. There was no training about how to handle that, what to do with our mental health, how to support the building, what the process, I mean, my goodness. And I say that to say that theoretical framework is there's a place for it, right? But more importantly, the doing of it, right? So so I'm kind of answering your second question first, which is how would you restructure things? You have to not think of internships as summer, fall, spring, the way they're thought of now. And you have to directly work with higher education in a manner in which both faculty and academics and the ground floor corporate have to think about project-based work being directly aligned with what is being done in the classroom. That is how it should be. And I think more importantly, um, and uh, Chentu was kind of a part of this original conversation. Um, they designed a program at RPI called the Arch, and the idea was actually quite good, which is this idea of giving people a semester and school credit to take a semester off to do an internship. There were tons of barriers, like Jessica said. Then, how where are you going to stay? How are you going to do it? Da da da. Like, there's tons of barriers when it comes to that. But the school saying you get a semester off and we have direct connection to companies and you should go in the work world and try it is another way to reimagine it. So classroom with corporate or give people time to do this, right? Um, and I think those are two pieces. Um, I will say I 100% agree you should get paid for internships. Why? For accountability. Because you can do performance management and you can give feedback and you can do all those things. And if you're not professional, you get fired. It, it's like if you don't show up for meetings, I'm sorry, I don't care who you are. Like that is 101 of internships, but you better have a little boot camp before the internship to explain professional like rules, such as showing up for the meeting on time or showing up at all, right? Such as not being on your phone, for example. <laughs> like these are 101 things that may seem obvious to some, is new for others, right? 
So go through the rules, train, have them start, pay them. So it's contractual, give feedback, even if it's hard feedback, right? Set expectations, have accountability, and actually um, have students help with a new set of eyes, a new lens, because what I will say about young people is sometimes because they don't have as much fear and as much barriers, right? And as much like naysayers in terms of like, I know, like, I'm like, no, that's too much. Like before it even, (laughs) I'm like tired. So I'm like, ah, that's too much. Can't do it. Whereas I know something I appreciate about young people is like, and I did it where you're just like, I have no YOLO. Like it's a major YOLO. You're just like, let's just do it. Let's just do it. Why can't we do it? I don't understand. Why can't we do it? And it's a good, it is a good thing to have on a team. Some YOLO people and then some like kind of no, but then have we thought about this? Have we thought about this? Right. And (laughs) that's me on our team. (laughs) Yeah. And the reality is you need both to run a company. You can't have a bro culture of a fraternity at like (laughs) one of the tech companies or whatever only, right? You have to, you have to have both. You have to have the adults in the room Mm -hmm. and then you have to have the awesome young people who want to lead and raise the ceiling and raise the roof and do all of that. And so Mm -hmm. I say that to say that there is a place for interns at every company because it's young talent. It's a new set of eyes. It's an outside view. But, and I believe as a company, let's eliminate risk and put them on contract. Let's pay them, right? Let's give them real feedback and real training. And then it becomes mutually beneficial to both parties, Mm -hmm. right? And let's have them on real problems that solve real things, right? And and I I believe that internships that are project-based force companies to do that because they've actually forced you to be intentional, which is what is a problem we're trying to solve for? For example, um, what is the, like, uh, what our demographic usually is in this area? How can we move to this area? Interns, that's your problem. That's your case study for the summer, you put it together, your own brain, your own expertise, stuff you've seen, think deeply about this question. You put it together in whatever format your presentations in three weeks go. That's the kind of internship that is innovative, that you bring your own unique perspective and story and think of it as like a shark tank. It's it's a mini shark tank, which is make your pitch, right? And I believe that open-endedness and innovation is what young people can like bring to the table. Um, but it's just better done through a contract and through pay hundred percent. Yeah. I appreciate that. I definitely, I'm definitely the like, but wait person on our team. (laughs) So I, I really appreciate that idea. And, and there is, there is sort of that reciprocal accountability that can be generated from from that kind of contractual agreement and and I appreciate the reminder about I I sort of think uh, think of age as as like different energy right of like having experience having seen you know whatever it is that you've seen in the work world and and maybe coming in as a newer person in that space and often is internships with folks who are younger and there is a lot of I think like fear and even sometimes mistrust of of the ideas that young folks bring into spaces. And 
that's something that that matters a lot to me that your experience and your age are a part of what informs your context, but your ideas are valuable, right? Like I trust our interns to make choices and to do the things that work for them and to bring content and ideas to the table. And I don't, I've never thought to myself like, oh, well, that's a bad idea, but it's because you're just a, you're just an undergrad or something like that. You know, it's, it's undoing that for yourself as an employer and as a, a mentor and a supervisor of like, these folks come with valid ideas and really valid lived experience. Their energy is, is helpful and supportive and that's incredible. And it's my job to, to validate and affirm and train them, you know, with that energy and experience that they have. So just, is there anything you wanted to add? Um, no, I was just going to add that I appreciate Equity Labs for exactly what you touched on, Sudeshna, like um, giving opportunities, kind of just throwing us in there. <laughs> it was it was terrifying, just to ve- very transparently. They were just like, yeah, just just write this thing. And we're all like, uh, and they're like, just just do it. We got you. Don't even worry about it. Just you got it. And it was just one of those things that we were thrown in. And we were trusted and we were guided also. Um, but it was, it, we were out of our comfort zone as well. And I think it, it was one of those things that like, yeah, these are dynamic relationships, like, especially when, when we were talking about age, when we're talking about experience, like everyone has something to bring to the table. And how do we work within our community in an organization to like further everyone and further the cause? I think it's important. Yeah, absolutely. Did you have something else you wanted to add, Sudeshna? Yeah, I was been hearing Jess, and I totally understand why you guys hired her. She's amazing. So I like I understand being trusted because I don't see her as like a young person or someone who doesn't have work experience. Like she mm-hmm. could be like she's actually more intelligent than a lot of the people I've worked with for a lot of years. So I I say that to say when you do good hiring, right? Mm-hmm. When you're good at hiring people you trust them. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that, and that part is not, that is special in an organization because you can be good at hiring, but then see them from different lenses or, or have biases. But someone like Jess, like if you're, if you're just listening to her voice, you'd be like, you know, she must have like 20 years of experience, like in the field. Um, and so I don't, I totally understand trusting those interns, but I think one of the key in what Jess was saying is the empowerment right? The being trusted because for women, for women of color, especially, and for people who haven't had privilege, the being trusted in anything, being empowered to act, to make decision, having the freedom to express who you are, what you are, right? Like those are the life-changing moments of like that the build your life because I think that's the other duty we have, right? As someone who has a job, who is in a position of power, um, any position, we did not start there, right? None of us started there. And it is our job to empower this next generation of leaders to lead. And you cannot do that if you hold control over them. Or if you're so busy protecting your job, right? There's a space for everyone here. But I think that all the times in my life where someone trusted me, believed in me, told me that they see something for me that I didn't see in myself, like, and said, just do it. Your voice, your experience matters. 
I see you as an expert. I see that you can do it. Like those were the life changing moments for me. Like those were the ones that built my career and I've had a very, you know, very successful career and I have the fancy title. I make good money, all of that now, but that is not the confident Sudeshna. Like I had zero confidence when I started college. I didn't even know, like I was just felt so lucky to even like be able to pay for school in the first place. Right. And my first job, I was just like, Oh, what I'm doing kind of don't know what I'm doing. Right. I did the, I don't know what I'm doing for the first 12 years of my career. Like, I don't really know. Then I got better at like realizing I don't know and that's okay. And then over the last couple of years, I was like, dude, I don't know anything. Cause I had a kid. Then I was like, I don't know how to do that either. I'm not confident, <laughs> but we'll figure that out as well. And then I just got more confident in taking opportunities and going, I'll figure it out. I can figure this out. Right. But that did not come without my community and my people and my mentors and a bunch of amazing managers and leaders that I've had saying, yes, you can. And no, you don't need to apologize for being yourself. And yes, I see you as a professional. Yes, I see your expertise. Yes, you have a high ceiling. Yes, you can. And pushing me outside of my comfort zone, right? So when I hear Jessica say that, it makes me feel like, First, like you guys are so lucky to have her, but then also like, I'm so happy that she's like in an environment like this one in an internship, like this one that is, that sees her for who she is, because I know that that's the building blocks of like a very successful career is releasing mm. a little bit of control and letting her come up with, you know, the things that make her uniquely her and then letting her kind of just roll with it and fly with it um, and offering, you know, feedback along the way, because sometimes someone like you, Ashley, sees the whole box because Mm -hmm. you've been doing this. So it's like she may be looking at one side of the box and you're like, that is a brilliant idea. Let's try to now change angles, see the other side of the box. What would you do differently? You know, Mm -hmm. and then really guiding. um, And I take that like the guidance, the empowerment, the mentorship, the coaching, the supervising, I take that like very, very seriously in my career. And to me, that's my favorite thing to do because I've seen that when you invest in people like just what happens like three years, mm-hmm. many of my students are doing better than me. They make <laughs> like, and, they are, and I think that's great. Like good, good for them. Um, yeah. And, and uh, you know, as someone who's worked in higher education with like low wages various times, that's why I keep mm-hmm. leaving, going back to corporate. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but like, I always say that we have a duty, right? In both mm-hmm. higher education and in corporate in a position of power, any position of power to empower our young people. And I think the internship conversation you're having is really like the very first step that is mm-hmm. like, what message does it send if I don't pay you? Yeah. What message does it internally send to you about begging for something? So I have to do five interviews to get not paid. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, and what motivation, what internal and external motivation is built into that core yeah. concept? And I, I think if you don't work towards some, something, right? that is a reward, then what do you work? Then like, what are you doing? Right. And whether that's I re- like, 
us scratching at the surface and saying, I just, I want, because I'm not, I'm no one, I'm nobody. Who am I? I'm nobody. That then you're going to internally feel like nobody and you're going to function, function in the world like you're nobody. Right. And so it's also this internal psychological piece that I think a lot about with the internship piece and the payment. Y'all are, y'all are super incredible thinkers. And I think that you've captured a lot of the nuance of this conversation in the short time that we've had to talk about it. And the other piece before we move on to our last question um, is just that I know for me, it took a long time to sort of (laughs) decouple my value as a human being with my ability to do my job and like to pull those things apart and then find a way for them to live in coexistence. And I think that that's something that, that as a a mentor supervisor person in, in any role that I've had, where I've been responsible for other people, um, that is one of the pieces that matters the most to me is that I try to remind folks like your value to me and to this organization is because of who you know, who you are, not because of the work that you do. Um, those things are inextricably linked that's that's undeniable but the reminder that like you are a valuable piece of this the, this universe in and of yourself like if you can't show up because you got to take your you got to take your little sister to school like that's okay right so i'm going to take us into our last question and i think that the two of you have have covered quite a bit of this already but um any last pieces of advice for folks who are currently in internships or who are looking for internships? In terms of looking for internships, I think that looking for like micro internships and I keep talking about them. Um, there's actually micro internships company um, that that way of thinking, which is project-based opportunities that are not necessarily in a summer or fall type of period that don't require relocation um, might open up some doors for other people to do internships. Um, I think that is one of my pieces of advice is think about internships differently, right? Also think about kind of curating internships on your own as well, which which what I what I mean by that is an internship that you could have for yourself is creating a blog, right? Of information or creating a social media account or a Snapchat about and deep diving into a problem you are passionate about solving for. Right. Um, An internship could be a lot of things that don't look like your traditional large scale corporate internship. Um, Know that people want to know your story. So actually, the most important thing to do while you're in school is figuring out your why. Right. And figuring out what problem you want to solve for in the world and why. Right. And starting with that answer, it's not about what academic field. It's not about what within that academic field, like academics are multidisciplinary. The world is multidisciplinary. Corporate is solving multidisciplinary problems that go across multiple functions, right? So school is the one that needs a discipline, right? School is the box, right? And school is, are you a math major or engineering? Are you this or are you that? School is boxing you. That is not how the world works. That is not how corporate works. That is not true problem solving. And so first figure out what problem you're passionate about. 
then obviously you have to figure out a path for getting there, right? Um, and I think having mentors, that part is like, I cannot stress it enough, being able to have the mentorship of talking to a lot of different people as much as possible about what they do, why they do it, how they got to where they are. Um, I think for many women and for many people of color, like knowing how to do that is an art because that is innately about your confidence, right? And breaching out and your ability to get rejected time and time again. But I think it's important. And I think reimagining if the world's not going to work for you, right? And you're going to have to create the world to make it work for you. Then there's a lot of reimagining people of color and women have to do to take our power back. But like, let's take our power back because it's going to be a long time till corporate America, until the classroom, until the barriers systemically, right? Go away. We want to be a part of those solutions. We will work to be a part of those solutions. But before that, we have to imagine, reimagine this life for ourselves, right? And we have to reimagine this life for our communities. And we have to reimagine how we're going to get to where we want to go in a non-traditional way because it ain't working for us, right? And so <laughs> I say that to say that empowerment is key and confidence is key. How you build that is that you create your people, your community around you who boosts you up, right? And uh, you also like try a bunch of stuff out that's scary, right? And it's and you fail a bunch of times. Dude, I've fallen flat on my face pretty much in every job within like the first five minutes. Um, and I've done it over and over again. I fall flat on my face as a mom all the time. And I've just gotten really good at falling flat on my face and cracking up about it. So I mean, <laughs> literally, if you do not have humor, right? And you do not have like the ability to like, move forward or go that didn't work. I want to do that again, right? Like I I don't I don't know how people of color or women can move forward if you don't develop, if you don't spend all your time developing self-empowerment, right? And self-confidence. Because mm -hmm. to me those are like the two barriers. Um and I would say kind of my final thing for students looking for internships like an internship in a big company and a corporate and a rank and a title doesn't like define you. I have created like a career in which I've actually went backwards in my career and took less money because I had a sick family member I'd take care of. Um, I walked away from promotions in order to take jobs that fit me being a mom now. Um, I've said no to title changes because I actually like didn't intend on staying. I've made 110 pivots. And if someone could tell me what I know now, right, all those years after, which is like, you're going to be okay. Because all of them, I was like, oh my God, it's, it's all over. My career is over. My life is over. Like this was so bad, in fact, that everything's over, right? And if someone was just like, dude, you're going to figure it out like calm down. Right. I wouldn't have believed them. I wouldn't have believed them. I probably would have said no, but I figured it out. And I think most people will say that, you know, and they're almost 40. And most people will say that is that, wow, I kind of like, 
accidentally figured it out, right? And I wish somebody had installed, like, put that confidence in me, or I had done more work to to actually deal with my internal struggle, my imposter syndrome, my confidence, right, mm-hmm. in, in my belief in myself, and spent more time saying, "Forget what people are saying. I'm good at. What am I good at?" What am I trying to do? Where am I trying to? I wish I had spent more time on that internal stuff rather than seeking the external validation that mm-hmm. I was seeking. Um, because it didn't be every time I saw external validation, I used I took stuff that made me unhappy. And mm-hmm. it took my confidence back 14 steps, frankly. Mm-hmm. I wasn't good at it. I was forcing something into a box that wasn't working. I was miserable at it. Every single time I went, let's just try this. I'm super excited about it. Like that was the right decision, right? Mm -hmm. And then I didn't, you know, I didn't think about titles as much. Of course, I had to think about money because I pay my bills, you know, but, but other than money, if I didn't worry so much about the company name and titles, oh my God, that changed everything. But I, I don't know. I'm offering this advice saying, I don't know if you can teach that or if that just happens over time that you like believe in yourself more because you screw up more and you're like, oh, I always screw up. So it is what it is. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. But I would say that if you can spend more time on the internal motivate, like the stuff that internally motivates you rather than on external factors. I think I think like there are ways to reimagine it, even if the world doesn't work for you. Yeah, thanks, Sudeshna. That's great advice, Jess. What do you think? Uh, I think in terms of looking for internships, especially, I think back to building community, um, leaning on those that you like look up to, your mentors, your teachers, um, just people you trust. I that's how I landed this internship. And to say that I'm grateful is an understatement. Yeah. And also alongside with that, look for internships that align with your values, with your morals, with your ethics, especially in in labor. I think it's super important. We touched on like the systemic things that come along with internships, just working in general. I think it's a lot of capitalism, a lot of white supremacist ideals, Um, Things that we need to dismantle. So looking for internships and opportunities that align with wherever you stand on that is so important. The reason why I get to sit in a room and talk to like brilliant thinkers like UC Deshna is because I made it a priority to align myself with with an organization that I know mirrored my values and also upheld that like through my time here. Ashley, Chendu, everyone, Kenna, like everyone has been so, so wonderful. When Ashley says like, if you need the day to take your sister somewhere, she really means that, like take your sister. (laughs) And I appreciate that. We all learn from each other. We all lean on each other. It is exactly the environment that I know that I can do best in and learn the the best in. And in terms of the people in internships or just being in the field in general, um, just try your best. (laughs) I think it's really hard out here, uh, essentially. And and I point that to like my marginalized folks, especially like just try your best, Um, just make it through, do the work that you're passionate about, make it worth it. Um, It's so easy to fall into this um, capitalistic 
whole when we're talking about work and and internships and professionalism and career development, all these all these concepts. And what does it look like for us to just show up, do the best we can at work that we're passionate about? I think that is is the only thing that's going to keep keep people pushing and keep people um, striving for more. Um, and yeah, holding ourselves accountable too. along along with that, like challenge these barriers that you face. I, I, I wish someone had told me that sooner. Honestly, I think now as, as I grow into my adulthood and also my professionalism, I love to challenge things and I love to challenge um, traditions, especially that I know are rooted in like capitalism, white supremacy. And when we're talking about something like an internship, if you're unhappy, again, try your best, do the work and also know that you, you have the support to challenge some of these things, to bring it up, to say, hey, this is a little weird, don't you think? And try to fix it, especially for the people behind you. Um, so that's my piece on it. I think internships are hard. I think just being in, in your professional field is hard, but trying your best, leaning on your community. That's, that's all we can really ever do. Thank you, Jess. That's a really good reminder of trusting yourself and connects really well with suggestions and advice of thinking about who you are and how you want to show up and who your network of support is through that, through that process. So um, I am really appreciative of you both for your cognitive intellectual labor today, your emotional energy. I know that having these conversations can be intense and and a little bit vulnerable. Um, So I I value both of you and at Equity Labs, we, we try to operate from an ethic of radical love. And so part of that looks like giving gratitude where it's due and sending love into the universe for, for you both. And, what you will continue to bring to people in your lives and to the people that you work with as an intern, as an internship coordinator. So much gratitude to you both. Equity work is difficult work that's worth doing. It's done in community and it is a responsibility we all carry. I want to thank our guests today for joining in and the Equity Labs production team. We hope you will join us for our next episode, Equity Meets Entertainment. In this episode, we talk about how the arts and entertainment world's has taken steps to be more equitable, but consider how we might make it the industry standard.